Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by Jeffrey Benson, who is the Sportsbook Operations Manager at Circus Sports. We had a nice little conversation about what it's like to operate a sharp book, how some of the softer book models work, and sort of how sports betting is evolving and changing. And uh, also, you know, answered the the age-old question of, is a sports book trying to get equal action on each side of a line? I always enjoy getting into the nitty-gritty of how a lot of this sports betting stuff works, so I hope that you guys enjoy it. Uh, make sure to follow Jeffrey on Twitter, at JeffreyBenson12, and if you want to support this show, you can get bonus episodes on Patreon.com slash TakeCast. You can always support the show by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or just telling someone about the program. Now let's go ahead and get into it. All right, everyone, welcoming into the program, Jeffrey Benson. He is the Sportsbook Operations Manager at Circa Sports. Easily, uh, Jeffrey, the most social media active Sportsbook Operations Manager, I mean. You know, the the risk the risk team over at FanDuel, we, we don't hear from them very much on uh, on Twitter. How do, your, how do your bosses feel about that? Do they, do they like you, you mixing it up with gambling Twitter? They do. I, you know, I get, uh, I get my hands slapped uh, every once in a while if I, uh, you know, cross over that line, but you know, I, I think uh, obviously I have a unique platform. Um, you know, when, when you look at, uh, you know, Derek Stevens, who's our CEO and owner, when you look at Matt Metcalf you know, who's our sports book director, who's somebody who bet professionally for years, you know, Chris Bennett, who's our director of risk, somebody who also bet professionally for years. Um, you know, obviously we're guys in the industry who bet, um, you know, we maybe take a different stance um, and a different approach um, than a lot of other operators that you see in the industry. And, you know, really everything that I do and say, you know, I think also it's it's important to not conflate some of what I say is speaking on behalf of circus sports. And, you know, some of some of the stuff that I'm saying is obviously on behalf of circus sports. And then obviously there's a lot of things that I say, you know, that I just speak on given my experience in the industry, um, you know, as somebody who bets, as somebody who likes the industry, as somebody who wants to see a better ecosystem and a better environment for players in general. Um, you know, like I said, we, uh, we're very transparent and organic in, in what our approach is and what our model is. And yeah, I would say I'm very outspoken and really you don't find a lot of those people behind the counter. You know, it's very hard to find anybody behind the counter who's really, speaking out in general. And then I would say speaking out in general for the player, um, you know, that, that even takes it a step further. So, you know, as somebody who works in the business, who works for an operator, Albert, you know, one that is a sharp book, not a soft book, 
I, I think the things I say should hold even more weight, you know, given that I do work, you know, on this side of the counter. Um, and if the things I'm saying are very pro player, um, you know, I think that tells you where we're at in terms of the industry and, you know, what some of these books are doing um, and kind of, you know, wh where that goes long-term, which I, I don't think we're heading in necessarily the best path. So I assume like a fair few number of people, actually, I would assume like most recreational, like, oh yeah, you have the apps on your phone. You ever been to Vegas or whatever? They're, they're probably pretty unfamiliar with what makes Circa so different. I mean, the thing that you guys do that I love the most is the multi-way market, especially like for golf and stuff. Um, like just like, you know, calculating the hold, you go, you go to one of these sports books and you calculate the hold in like a golf futures market. And it's, it's like one of the worst, I mean, obviously it's not going to stop me, but it's one of the worst things that, uh, that you can bet it to. So why don't you, I mean, and, and explain a little bit of the business model, but I mean, honestly, the, the thing that I find so interesting is like, so you're going to be a sharp book. You're not going to turn away winning players. Like how does that interact with profitability? I mean, like what, why, why do you view this model as like more sustainable? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of different topics there to touch on, you know, for those, you know, for your listeners who aren't, you know, really keen on the space, you know, there's the sharp book model, which is, you know, what a Circa or a Pinnacle or a Chris run um, versus the soft book model, which is what a points bed, FanDuel, DraftKings, you know, MGM, really the rest of the industry kind of run. Um, and I think they're, I think they're polar opposites. Um, you know, I, I think they can certainly both be useful within the space, but I think a lot of the things that, you know, these soft book operators do, you know, are pretty disingenuous and pretty disgusting, you know, towards players. And I think, I, I think a lot of what I do is try to spotlight and highlight that, you know, to the recreational player to kind of both, you know, shed light on what we're doing differently and, you know, just to educate them in terms of understanding, you know, the markets they're betting into, you know, the sports books they're dealing and things like that. So as you alluded to, you know, we're, we're, we're the sharp, we're a sharp book model, which means, you know, we have standard limits, you know, on our app, you know, they're bannered for everybody to see. So, you know, you, you, you log in on a Sunday morning, you know, you're getting 200,000 on NFL sides day of, you know, you log in, you know, betting these college bowl games, you know, you're getting anywhere between 40,000 to a hundred thousand on the side, you know, we, we ban our limits and anybody in the world, whether you're Billy Walters or whether you're my dad can walk in and have access to, to those limits, you know, if, and if they beat us for millions of dollars, well, you know, a, we, we either need to get better, um, or we're going to go out of business, um, you know, or, or, or B, you know, they'll be able to come back tomorrow and they'll be able to get the same limits, if not higher, you know? So for us, it's yeah. a free, fair and transparent marketplace that welcomes all, you know, I think when you look around the industry, obviously one of the big, biggest talking points on Twitter is, you know, these shops really limiting people. And, you know, I'm not talking about limiting people to, you know, $2,000, $1,000. I mean, they're limiting people. $2. 74 $2. cents. Yeah. And, and we're not talking about, props either you know we're talking about major market nfl sides day of kind of thing um you know if you show an aptitude to win you have a pulse you understand the industry you know you're betting non-major markets you're betting major markets you're getting clv you know you're doing any of those things you know these softbook operators are going to cut you off really quick um and in a regulated industry um and in a legalized industry as we try to grow the ecosystem 
you know, these soft book operators are chopping everybody, you know, at, at the knees and not allowing, not allowing these people to gamble. You know, I, I don't think it, it creates the best environment for players and it, you know, with where people thought legalized gambling was going to go um, with what these kind of operators are doing, um, you know, it doesn't allow players to play. And, you know, when you look at the stock market and things like that, which is what I would say we're, we're very akin to. It's a free, fair, and transparent marketplace that all people can play in. Um, and you have the ability to, as you alluded to, with these multi-way markets, both buy a stock and sell a stock. And that's really the approach that we've taken when it comes to that. You know, you have the ability to, A, buy a team, or B, sell a team. You want to bet the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl, you can bet the yes. If you want to short the Buffalo Bills and bet the no, you also have that ability. And I think the important thing you know, that, uh, you know, that that does for players is a couple of different things. You know, it allows, it allows us to, to be the most efficient line in the world because we have both a buy and a sell side. It allows us not to price gouge our customers yeah. because we have fair splits. You know, if you have a one-way market, you know, let's just say you have, excuse me, you have an MVP market, you know, for Pat Mahomes and you're buried to Pat Mahomes. You don't want to take any more Pat Mahomes money. And the market's painted five dollars. Well, just hang ten dollars, and it doesn't make any difference. You're not going to write any bets at the worst number in market. Right. But in our case, if it, you know, when when you look at you know award markets, you, you look at um, you know future book, uh, you know, when, when, as you alluded to with golf, you know, you look at teams to win the Super Bowl, things like that. By having a yes and a no, we can't just artificially lower a team or a player and be the worst price in market thinking that we're not going to get any more wagers because, you know, we, we have so much liquidity and we have so much sharp play that we're going to have people who come, come in and then obviously bet the no side. So for us, it really allows us to get to what we believe to be the true and the right number. It allows us to write bets on both sides. It allows us to manage our position uh, in terms of risk effectively. And I think it's just the most fair uh, and equ equitable way you know, to offer, you know, these markets to players, um, you know, without price gouging them. And, you know, I think by having these fair holds um, coming out and saying what our hold percentage is and things like that, and you know, those are the value propositions that we think are important. And, you know, for us, this is a volume game. Um, obviously we have the big or minus 110 working for us. You know, we want to do everything possible to incentivize writing as much business as possible um, and that's kind of why we've adopted this low hold high volume model. You know, we don't care who bets into us. You know, we don't care if people bet both sides. You know, we don't care if somebody's bet a limit and, you know, then we move the number and they bet again. You know, for us, we just want to write, 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 and then write some more. Um, and I think in a volume, you know, in a low hold business, you know, volume should be your best friend. And I think when you look around the industry, it's a lot of the opposite. It's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, it's a lot of high hold low volume. Um, you know, based on their tactics, you know, they're not looking to take bets. Uh, they're not looking to utilize the information from these winning gamblers to, you know, get to the right line as cheaply and efficiently as possible. So for me, you know, I got in the business to take bets. It, it seems like a lot of these other places, you know, got their license to do the exact opposite. And, you know, I, I don't really understand it. Obviously there's, you know, these books are coming at it from a recreational or entertainment based perspective. But I, I think you can go into it and have you know, the understanding that there are going to be people, you know, within an ecosystem who win um, and being able to utilize their action, you know, to make your line sharper and then, you know, raise your limits and, 
you know, take more bets. Um, you know, I think from a good bookmaking perspective, you know, those are the things that are going to make you the most money and the most profit profitability over the long run. And I think the difference between us and a lot of these other companies is that they have shareholders to answer to, whereas we're a private company. You know, I have to answer to Derek, you know, Matt has to answer to Derek, you know, he's somebody who understands the industry. You know, when you think about the people who run FanDuel and Barstool and PointsBet, you know, they want a smooth glide path in terms of their profitability. We want to hold X percent each quarter. You know, they don't understand there's variance in sports betting and things like that. And I just think when the people at the top, you know, have never made a bet or don't understand oh. betting um, and, and things like that, it presents a really kind of frustrating experience for the player um, in terms of the things that are offered. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I'm so outspoken on the things that we're doing and ultimately why we're very different in our approach. So that's basically the trade-off. I mean, the, so the idea is that a lot of these large operators, FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever, the, the trade-off they're making is they they would rather take a lower number of total bets on whatever it may be over the course of of the day because they are they're they are thinking that the action they're getting is is generally going to be soft action that not only are they giving a number that uh would be bad to bet into but even the people betting into them are unlikely to be on the sharper side of the market whereas you guys are being like look if you you want to bet professionally you want it you want to think that you can beat us betting one you know minus 110 on either side of the game we'll take it because it'll it'll balance out because you get to bet plus 110 on every game effectively yeah, I mean, I think it really boils down to the fact that we're at the current moment very meat and potatoes based, meaning major markets, sides, totals, um, not as many derivatives, not as many props. Um, whereas you look at a DraftKings or a FanDuel or an MGM menu, and you're going to see a much wider range, much deeper range in terms of you know menu offerings to the player. I like to kind of refer to that obviously as a little bit of sports betting for decoration. I mean, you can hang everything in the world, you know, but if you're not taking a fair limit on it, what, what does it really amount to? You know, I mean, sure. Could we have every prop in the world and take $25 on it? Yeah. But I don't think that really adds to what we're doing. And I don't think that's really our brand. And I, I that's not how we believe we grow our business. Obviously yeah. we will never have, you know, the, the menu depth that they will, but we try to grow our menu each and every day. You know, obviously there are going to be things that we offer props on. And anytime we hang a prop, we want to be able to take a dime, two dimes, three dimes to it. You know, when we hang Super Bowl props, you know, be able to take five dimes to it, 10 dimes to it. Whereas a lot of these other operators, obviously they're going to have a much bigger prop menu. They're going to have more than just the meat and potatoes, but they're going to take much smaller limits. And if you show any aptitude or ability to win, you know, you're going to get the boot very quickly. So you know, they can stand on this leg that they have the biggest menu and all of that. And that's fine, you know, but it's really an entertainment or recreational offering, given that they're not taking a fair and sizable bet on it, particularly from anybody who has a brain. So can you actually, this is, this is great uh, because it is still like the number one thing you'll hear when you, you talk about betting on, on social media is, oh, you know, the books want to set the line to get equal action on both sides right would you like i mean is the, is not true um so uh, like how does circa take the sharp money 
to help get to the right number. Like, I think that's a pretty interesting process. And a lot of that information is not like super publicly available. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I'll, I'll go through that process, obviously know that I'm speaking in generalities. Uh, you know, a lot of situations are each situation is different. Each bet is different, but the, this notion of 50, 50, um, and just earning to the big is so misguided and outdated you know, I, I can't speak for recreational shops, but if that's what they want to do, you know, I, I don't think that helps get to, you know, the most profitable model for them. And, you know, when you think about it, you know, for us, let's, let's talk about NFL, for example, um, day of we're taking 200,000. So you have a recreational customer who comes in, he lays six and a half on a game for 200,000. You go to seven off of his bet and you write back the entire 200,000 from guys with market influence, guys who are sharps, guys who are winning betters, guys who get CLV, you write back that entire 200,000 at plus seven and then go right back to that six and a half number. To me, that is horrendous bookmaking because you've just utilized your recreational customer to move off of six and a half then writing it back entirely from people who have market influence um, and are moving the market. Um, but you could argue that that's 50-50 or that's balanced action, you know, presuming it doesn't fall seven. Um, but to me, that's really horrendous bookmaking. What you should be doing is profiling your players and those that are getting CLB, those that have market influence, those that are winning betters, those that specialize in the market they're betting into utilizing their information to help shape your line. So, you know, granularly speaking, you know, you open three, you know, the limits are five or 10,000, you know, you take a bet at three, you know, you, you go to four and a half, you know, you find resistance at four and a half, you know, they take plus four and a half. Um, you know, these are sharp guys, uh, you know, betting both sides, you know, they take four and a half uh, for whatever the limit is five or 10 dimes at that point. Then you go to four, you know, you, you, you write some money at four, you go back to four and a half, you write money at four and a half, you go back to four, and then you feel comfortable now that you're in a much smaller range. And now you know that you can deal four or four and a half, you know, you know, they're going to take four, you know, you know, they're going to lay four or take four and a half. You can kind of just go back and forth. And as you continue to see bets and you get two way action, ultimately your limits are going to continue to increase at that point. The more you feel comfortable and confident in your number, whether it's, bets, injuries, information, whatever it may be, the limits are going to continue to increase because at that point, the market's becoming more efficient. You know, you've seen more bets, you know where this number should be and the range of, you know, your, your, your different moves in terms of, you know, when it opens at three, you know, the chance it's going to close seven. As you get deeper into the week, the range of outcomes in terms of the moves that you're making significantly lessens. So utilizing that sharp information you know, to get you to where you need to be both as cheaply, meaning taking the least amount of bets as possible and opening yourself up to the least amount of middles to get to the right number as quickly as possible, where then say for NFL, you know, your, your game day limits are going to be, you know, 40 X what they were of your opening limits the previous Sunday. So th this notion that bookmakers are, good ones, you know, want 50, 50, I think is kind of overblown within the industry. 
what you really want to do is find the players in your book who have that market influence and you know are going to win. And when they make their bets, being able to utilize their bets to go into the game on Sunday and book to the side they need. And I think when you look at these recreational books, A, they're not market making because they're not originating the number. They're just looking at the screen and copying. Yeah, they're all copy pasting from somebody. Correct. Circa opens, Pinnacle opens, BOL opens, Chris opens. It's just look at the screen and copy. And then secondarily, they don't have anybody who's sharp that's betting into them or they don't know the people who are betting into them, whether they're sharp or not. Um, And so they have no understanding where they should be on a number without looking at the screen because they never took the bets to get there. So the whole price discovery exercise, you know, that Matt and, and Chris Bennett and, you know, the rest of our risk team are going through to understand why a number opened like this, why a number closed like this. And then, you know, a, you know, the whole story of how it got there, um, which is the booking process, you know, a, a lot of these recreational books don't have that. They're, they're simply looking at the screen and playing catch up. Um, and they're always behind the eight ball. And I think a lot yeah. of times then they go into the game, you know, not knowing the side that they need to be on, um, you know, because they ultimately don't take any, you know, they don't ultimately don't take any sharp action and any sharp action they do take, you know, gets booted pretty quickly. So how do you guys handle in-game betting then? Cause that's, um, you know, like that's kind of like one of like Ed Miller's things. He, he wrote a lot about that in the logic of sports betting that, you know, because these things are happening so quickly, the betters might have better models than the sports books, especially for, you know, more, more niche stuff, not like for NFL, probably not the case, but for smaller stuff, almost for sure. And harder to get, you know, hard, harder to get a market made in that spot. It's hard enough to, to take enough action. So how do you guys handle, you know, in game, in game NFL, in game NBA, stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, you know, when you look at certain markets, the limits are going to tell you how beatable that market is. Um, obviously, props have lower markets because they're, there's not as much liquidity in a prop market. In-game, lower limits than you know, pre-game because there's not as much liquidity. So I think as a new better, you know, when you're getting into the space, you should be targeting markets that have lower limits because you're probably going to find more edge than betting in the you know, major markets day of when you reference sides, totals, and money lines. You know, for us, you know, we work closely, you know, with those deck prism guys in terms of doing a lot of our in-game offerings. Um, obviously, our in-game offering limits are not going to be necessarily as high, um, but we're able to utilize, you know, a lot of their information, um, you know, to help our trading uh, as it pertains to in-game. But, you know, when you when you think about the limits, you know, they pale in comparison to what you're going to get on a lot of these pre-game markets. Um, and, and that's just because when, when you think about these markets, they're they're much more niche. There's not as much information in them, um, and there's just not generally a ton of liquidity um, versus what you're going to see on, like I said, these pregame sides, totals, and, and money lines. So the, the 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 same game parlay, right? This is the this is the number one product available. You know, you you make eleven bets inside of you know Bucks Panthers or whatever. Uh, this is one i mean at at the uh the soft books these are horribly priced i mean you add you add some and offer different prices inside the same game parlay too like you you click over to the same game parlay and you get different odds for mike evans over 58 and a half yards than you would if you were betting it straight up um so i mean one how do you guys handle them 
And then two, do you think that these, uh, you know, insane, these 150 to one parlays and stuff, like, is this like, this has got to have negative ramifications for the activity to be marketed this way. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's certainly an interesting conversation, you know, to, to touch on your first point, you know, how do you handle them? You know, we don't, we don't have the software, the technology right now to, to offer same game parlays. I mean, even if we did, would we offer them? I have no idea. Um, obviously these operators shield them incessantly to their customers. And when you look at, you know, the Jamie Foxes of the world and all these commercials, it's, it's all parlays all the time. And I think, you know, a lot of what I try to do and say is educating the public. I mean, you know, these people are betting into to markets as you meant, you know, as you alluded to that are horrendously priced, um, you know, that have 20, 30, 40%, you know, theoretical holds. Whereas if you're betting into something that, you know, it's minus 110, minus 110, you know, it's a, you know, it's a 4.55 theoretical hold for the house. So sports betting is tough enough to beat when you think about minus 110, you know, it's certainly a lot tougher to beat when you're betting into a, you know, a market that has a 30 or 40% theoretical hold. Um, yeah. I mean, it is all the rage and the craze within the industry now, you know, I certainly think that, you know, the recreational player enjoys it. You know, I, I think it'd be nice. I, I wonder what the um, behaviors would be or if they'd be any different if they had some education in terms of knowing and understanding what they were betting into and kind of how poorly priced these things were and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you look around, that's, that's the talk of the industry. And obviously when you think about the last couple of days and, you know, I tweeted about the Devin Booker thing, yeah, this is the that I mean that's a whole other can of worms, right? That's that's a whole other can of worms. I mean, the, the same game, you know, everything we just talked about is one thing, but um, you know, I think the expectation within the industry, um, you know, from these operators and their inconsistency, void some, don't void some, you know, has created this insanity in terms of this entitled expectation that anytime somebody gets hurt, uh, that you know, a prop is going to be refunded or voided. And in, in essence, it's like a free roll for the customer on the sports book because you're still paying the unders while you're voiding or refunding the overs. And I think what's really frustrating to me and, you know, why I sent that tweet, people are so short-sighted. It's incredible to me. People want to cry and complain and whine that they're, you know, it was refunded, but that, that their Devin Booker prop wasn't refunded in the moment. What they don't realize is, is, oh, sure, we're going to give you a handout. We're going to give you a rebate. We're going to give you a free bet. All of this is going to come back because we, we were caving to the demands from these bettors. What the bettors fail to realize is if this behavior continues, A, the sports book is going to be less incentivized to put the different number of prop offerings that they're currently putting on the board because anytime this happens, you know, literally the next day it happened that, you know, Rob Zola tweeted something about there's somebody out there who's emailing FanDuel support, um, you know, asking for their Derwin James over tackles prop to to be, you know, refunded. You know, obviously, you know, um, you know, there was some RJ Barrett stuff last night, uh, you know, they got refunded and things like that. What what these betters fail to realize is when they continue to ask these things and books continue to refund, 
A, they're going to be less incentivized to put up as deep or wide of a menu that people will have to bet into. And then B, and probably the bigger point, pe people were saying, like, put these thresholds. A player must play five minutes. Put these stipulations. A player must play one quarter, yada, yada, yada. Props are fair the way they are. And if you exactly. put those tips, if you put in gambling, injuries and information and things like that are inherent risks of gambling. If you can't abide by those inherent risks, you probably shouldn't be gambling. But B, I, I think the bigger thing is if if these books put this like insurance or these stipulations or these thresholds on these props, they're going to absolutely price gouge the customers even more. The splits go from minus 15 to minus 130, minus 130. All these different things are, you may get free money on the front end in terms of a rebate, but you're certainly going to pay for it in the long run with what the prices on props are or the amount of props that you're ultimately going to be able to bet in the long run. And I think it's short-sighted from customers who obviously want to get paid in the moment where they're frustrated that the star player gets hurt. I've been gambling for, I don't know, 15 years. I mean, to me, this stuff evens out over the long run. Um, and, and when you've been gambling long enough, you come to, to understand that. But I think a lot of people who are new to the space, particularly now that it's legalized. And it's know, being advertised on every commercial break. And it's like, you know, may, maybe this Devin Booker bet is the first bet you've ever made. And you're like, well, that was a shitty experience. Correct. It, and they don't know any better. And I, I understand the marketing and the ploy from these operators, but you know, back in the day, you know, I, when I was 18 years old, I, I wasn't asking for my local, I wasn't asking my local for a refund, you know, on, on a LeBron James prop because he turned his ankle six minutes into the game. So it's just, you know, that's kind of what the new age, you know, better is doing. And, you know, it's, if these books are going to do it, okay, but have some criteria for doing it because the inconsistency of when you do it versus when you don't has, has, created this behavior from betters and I think betters and the books are culpable and I, I think none of this behavior is sustainable in, in terms of the ecosystem and the environment that we're in. Also you know in terms of sustainability in a lot of these legalized states they are charging like insane extortionate taxes on a lot of the books which is causing them to do like these what is it in some of the states it's like it's like minus 140 is is the standard price it's like it's like 25 cent lines i mean and and you know knowing the way like how like policy works and everything like explaining things to lawmakers is really difficult and and you hope that evolves over time but you know, the way these markets are priced right now, it's it's sort of, it reminds me of like the streaming wars a little bit, you know, like Netflix and Disney, like everyone else. It's like at a certain point you run out of customers and that's like what Netflix and Disney Plus are dealing with right now. It's like they, it's it's the new thing now is you're not going to be able to share your Netflix password because Netflix needs to generate more customers. And and for sports betting, it's like, well, I mean, if we, if you got to bet money line favorites at, at, at coin flip favorites at minus 140, I mean, how long can a recreational better stay profitable? Like not very long. It, it that, that seems to be a, a problem that from like a really high policy level, no one, no one is talking about that. Yeah. 100%. You know, I think when you look across state to state to state, um, you know, given that we operate in three states soon to be four, the, the things that you see are the, variables that you have to deal with in each jurisdiction are totally different 
you know, you can book one thing in one state, you can't book one thing in another state, you know, in one state, there's a certain tax rate and another, you know, there's a different tax rate, you know, with the way that New York operates and a 51% tax rate, we'll never be in New York, you know, with the way Tennessee operates and a mandatory 10% hold, we'll never be in Tennessee. You know, I think there's so many hands in the cookie jar and people think of sports betting as the, you know, a get rich quick scheme, you know, talking about law lawmakers and policymakers, you know, they want to slap these asinine holds um, and these asinine rules and regulations on these operators. And it doesn't scale um, for a lot of the smaller guys. And I think then from a consumer perspective, you have a lot of states like if California opened tomorrow, you know, you'd see DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM and Caesars in California, whereas nobody else would have the opportunity to be in California because it's like a hundred million dollar market access fee. So I, I think it really puts the smaller operators at a disadvantage and from a, you know, fair playing field for customers, you know, a, a, a customer wants to have as many different outlets and access to as many different operators as possible. And in the current conditions we're operating within the market, you know, I think that makes it very difficult. And, you know, you're certainly seeing a lot of that maxim that went out of business, a lot of consolidations to come here in the next two, three, four, five years. You know, when you look at the market share and the land grab for a lot of these, you know, big boys, you know, it's, it's, they're absolutely incinerating hundreds of millions of dollars every quarter targeting, you know, customers that they have no idea who their lifetime, you know, what their lifetime value is. And then a lot of times limiting these customers to pennies, you know, to me, it's, it's a business model that I don't particularly understand. And, you know, it'll certainly be interesting to see how the industry plays out. I think, you know, we're, in, we're, we're playing the long game. I think as you see these free bets and these bonuses die out and you see people having to compete in terms of price and educating players, I think right now, most of the recreational player will play at the shop. That's the easiest for them to play at. And, but once I, those I actually, I actually think it's more than that. I think, and this is based on my experience from my real life buddies who are, I mean, I'm pretty recreational but they're like, I mean, they're the dude who's like, oh, I got to bet on Kansas State money line because I went, I went to K State. They, they just like whatever app is the easiest and best. Like I, you, um, like interface. Like they, Agreed. like, yeah. Agree. I, I think once you get past the the bonusing and the free bets and some of that stuff, like I said, it's not, it's not the end all be all. But I think the app that has the ability to get the money in the easiest, the app that has the ability to get the money out easiest, the app that has the best UI UX, all of that kind of stuff. I think you'll see a little less loyalty in terms of, like I said, once the bonusing and that stuff dries up, once the education in terms of, you know, I'm laying 140 at this shop when I can lay 110 at this shop. I think when you see a little bit more of that, which you see, more so in mature markets like Nevada and Colorado and New Jersey versus some of these states that are just coming online. I, I think that will allow us to make, you know, more inroads than what we've made currently. But, you know, I think you do make a good point. You know, I think people have loyalty to the place that, you know, they, they like, you know, whether it's UI UX, you know, the ability, ability to easily deposit or withdraw and things like that. Um, but I think a lot of this stuff's a revolving door here in the next couple of years. 
as there's presumably a lot of consolidation within the industry coming. Yeah. And, and I mean that the consolidation point is pretty interesting too. Cause again, the other bogey, uh, you know, the, the, the boogeyman that no one wants to talk about is like the unlimited customer acquisition spending is like, it can't, you, that that faucet cannot run forever. You can't be giving people a thousand dollar free bets for the rest of time. You can't be, you know, you, I mean, what? How many Super Bowl commercials are we going to see for sports books and casinos this year? But like, you can't. That can't run forever. And then, honestly, probably a healthier uh, adjustment period after that, right? Where where you're not dealing with new customers all the time, and you can kind of focus on the product you actually have at that point. Yeah, I like to kind of think about it as if a book gives you X amount of dollars in free money, what is that ultimately costing you in the long run? You may get a $1,000 free bet to start out with, but then you may be betting uh, in the future markets that have double the hold, you know, that we have, you know, you may be betting into money line splits at, you know, a 4% uh, edge for the house, as opposed to a two and a half percent edge for the house. Like we offer, I, I, I think, like I said, you, I think customers see the free money and that's kind of, all that's in their mind at the current moment. And I think, like you said, once that stuff dies down, I think it'll be paramount in terms of educating the guest. You know, why why would somebody pay $3 higher for Apple at E-Trade when they can go to Fidelity and pay $3 cheaper? I think once that concept applies for people in sports betting, you know, I, I think you're going to see these shops who have more of the, you know, the low hold high volume model um you know be successful here in the in the regulated market within the united states yeah i mean and and i mean that is that is what we are all um hoping for you know i mean i guess what would be what would be uh your your general message to someone for why they should bet what and actually what all what all states are you guys legal in? i don't even i don't even know where all can i play on circa nevada uh colorado and iowa uh, we have both retail and mobile here in Nevada and just mobile in Colorado and Iowa. And then we will have both a retail book and mobile in Illinois sometime middle of next year. Uh, so three states currently soon to be four, you know, working on our technology each and every day to uh, provide a better experience for our players. And I think as we figure out our, some of our technology challenges over the next couple of years, you know, that will allow us to expand at an even greater level than, you know, what we've expanded in the three plus years that we've been open. Is there, is there a temptation as, uh, you know, because as you mentioned earlier, like you guys are private versus being publicly traded. And I, and I, again, had not thought about that until you brought it up, but like, yeah, I mean, it, it makes much more sense to be a privately owned sports book. So that like, yeah, because how are you going to explain to your shareholders like yeah we we really took a position on jets minus three this week and just got absolutely bathed so so you know our, our earnings are going to be way down but is there a temptation you know to fundraise ip you know ipo whatever um to to speed that advancement along none for us i mean we uh we feel very good about our organic growth and the uh the inroads that we've been able to make in the industry and you know, we just try to be a, a net positive for the industry. We try to provide people the liquidity to get down, you know, what they're looking to get down. And, you know, we try to come at it from the perspective of if we were betters walking into our book, you know, what, 
what would the uh, you know trying to put on on the board and trying to treat people the way we would want to be treated. So I would say those are some of kind of our value propositions, you know, um, you know that maybe make us a little bit different than some of these other softbook operators that are really cookie cutter and kind of the uh, the craze within the industry right now, or, or maybe not necessarily the craze. Really, the um, there's not many sharp books. Um, particularly in the regulated market, and yeah, you know, are, think- are are there any? Are are I mean, aren't aren't you guys really the only market making sharp book that like I could I could download on my phone? Yeah, I mean, I, I yes, that's uh, that's an accurate statement. I would say for the most part, and I think obviously there's some offshore operators that you know have a similar model or approach to what we're doing. But you know, we we believe it to a be the most ethical uh, model, but most importantly we believe it to be the most profitable model um you know just write write and write some more and uh, you know that's what we opened up our doors to do and you know we don't sweat the like these other places you know we don't sweat what happens on a you know one day one week one month type of basis you know we'll, we'll look at the results at the end of the year and you know feel good about uh, where we are all right. Uh, I mean, let's just let's just close it here. Give me give me the sales pitch. I if I happen to live in Colorado, if I happen to live in uh in Nevada, why should I give Circa my business instead of uh chasing hundred and fifty to one same game parlays on on these soft books? You know, we uh, we welcome anybody who chooses to play with us, and uh, you know, if you're playing with us and you want to arb, you want to scalp, you know, you want to bet. Uh, you know, you, you, you want to do whatever you just want to bet when we have the best line in market, you know, we appreciate anybody who gives us their business in whatever form or fashion that looks like, you know, if you're a, uh, if you're a recreational player, you're a non-recreational player and you got into this or you enjoy gambling to make money, which I think anybody who places a bet wants to win, you know, at circus sports, you can win and know that when you come back the next day, you're going to be able to win again. And I can't say that about every other shop, um, you know, currently, but I can say that confidently about circus sports. You know, if you win, you beat us for hun- you beat us for thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. The doors are going to be open tomorrow. Your limits are going to be the same, if not higher. And we're going to pay you with a handshake and a smile. Um, and outside of all of that stuff, I think I'd say the biggest reason to bet with us is nine times out of 10, you're going to probably find the best price in the market at a book that we're offering. Um, so, you know, if you look at, you look at NFL at one point, you know, obviously we move a lot of our numbers as bets come in and things like that. But, you know, if you're looking at NFL futures, you're looking at a golf bet, whatever it may be, you know, based on our splits and our holds, uh, based on the, what the ability that we have in terms of offering yes, no's the ability to buy a team, sell a team, buy a player, sell a player, et cetera. You know, I think you're going to find the best odds and the best prices that will allow you to win more over the long run and lose less over the long run. And so I would say those are some of the value propositions we have. We also have fantastic customer service. Obviously, I'm very active um, and engaging on, on, on Twitter and things like that. You know, if people want to reach out, ask me what we'll take on a certain market. You know, if we'll put this up, that up, things like that. I, I think if you bet, if you choose to bring your business to Circus Sports, you know, you're going to be betting into the best prices and the lowest holds in the world. Uh, you're going to be guaranteeing yourself that if you're a winning better, you're going to have this, this out to come back to. Um, and, you know, you're going to be treated 
fairly while all that's happening. So I would say those are our value propositions today um, and why I would encourage somebody to play with us here at Circus Sports. All right. Well, I personally am, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in Missouri, so I'll probably be the last of the 50 states to get legalized sports betting, but uh, I do very much forward, uh, look forward to getting to Nevada and uh, opening up a customer account with you guys. Um, Jeff, thank you very much for the time, everyone. We're going to get out of here uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see y'all back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.